Welcome to the Infinite Spark of Being podcast. My name is Keith Welsh, and in this episode, we're going to talk about spirit mediums, summoning aliens, and staying in a yurt in the middle of nowhere. Um, But before that, go to the website, join the Patreon. Um, There's four tiers there. There's the $1 tier, a $5 tier, but the $10 and $20 tier give you access to online gatherings. The $10 gives you uh, access to the first Wednesday of every month online gathering. The $20 tier gives you access to the first Wednesday and the third Wednesday of every month online gatherings. Those each come with uh, emails, with reading materials, suggestions, things like that. Um, The intention here is to build the community of everyday people, regular folks that are just trying to deepen their uh, spiritual understanding. Also, click the about button if you're interested in one-on-one time with me. You'll notice that there are a uh, couple of testimonials there. Um, Those are people that have done thought transformation restructuring with me over the years. Um, It is a uh, method of handling trauma, grief and loss, ruminating thinking, anxiety, uh, what usually takes EMDR 8 to 12 sessions. Uh, We can usually knock it out in one. So... Um, If you're interested in that, email me, reach out uh, through email or Instagram direct message. Um, If you're interested in starting a meditation practice, deepening your current practice, starting some sort of spiritual practice, deepening your understanding of spirituality, those sorts of things. Um, If you're interested in having me do a workshop at your yoga school or give a talk somewhere, again, email, Instagram direct message. Those are the best ways to get a hold of me. We ask that the highest and the best be allowed to enter. We are one with God. We are one with God. We are one with God. If it is God's will, it will be done. If it is God's will, it will be done. If it is God's will, it will be done. recognizing that you have a great deal, I want to say to you, knowledge or that you are drawn to things about past lives, a hypnosis, things of this nature uh, for to be able to help yourself and to other people that are around you. Because you seem to have a great deal of knowledge within to be able to help people that are around you because I feel that the work that you have done as I am positive you are working with people in some way.
you have the proof of what you have done. And I want to take you, I can see that you need to have uh, this uh, to be, uh, that you are going to, uh, uh, to, uh, uh, to need to have it recorded, because they have it copyrighted. Because I wanted you to know that, because there's another theory that you have, you're going to be able to have fun. the verse. Okay, okay, do you see where I'm coming from? Am I still the right? Okay, because I want to see you. That seems to be something that is super duper important at this particular point. took a little trip to a town called Casadega, Florida. Now I'll say this originally I've really wrestled with this episode because I've recorded it a few times and realized that some of this stuff is personal and I don't know that I want it. I don't know. I don't want to do that. I, w- I think what I'd rather do is tell you what I think is happening with these things. Um, however, to get there, I'm going to have to tell you about some of our experiences. Um, but the intention was to go to a town in the middle of central Florida called, not in the middle, but it's around Orlando, Sanford area called Casadega. Uh, Casadega means water under rock, water flowing under rock. Um, so it was founded in 1894 by a guy, a spiritualist. Uh, spiritualism, if you don't know, is a religion in and of itself. Um, very interesting to me. Um, I'm going to be taking a deeper dive into it by uh, communicating with some people that can actually educate me on it. Like I've said in the past, I'm not the kind of person to read the book about the thing. I want to go talk to the person that's in the game. Um, so I've got a couple people I'm going to reach out to. One of them's very interesting to me and has already agreed to speak to me. But George Colby was a spiritualist from upstate New York. He was sick, um, not doing well, and he had a spirit guide named Seneca, who was apparently a, a Native American, um, out of body, if you will, having transitioned and. George was sick, so Seneca told him to go to this part of Florida, go to this creek, drink the water, and it would heal him. And it did. Um, What's interesting to me as a side note about upstate New York, if you're interested in kind of modern religions, if you will, like Mormonism, the Quakers, the Shakers, these sorts of things, um, there's a great book by a guy named Mitch Horowitz called Occult America. And it's about America's occult origins, um, that there was a period in time where that area of upstate New York was called the Burned Over District. And the Burned Over District was named that way because it was like every week there was some new tent revival, some new something coming up. Fun fact, a lot of these um, new uh, religions, um, I don't necessarily, I mean, I guess the religions, but spiritual belief systems um, incorporated sex magic and things like that, which I always find interesting. Um, so George Colby was from that area, which I always think is interesting, but he came down, got healed and started a, a town originally, I guess it was a spiritualist camp of some sort. Um, where they would all come and commune and do seances and these sorts of things. Um, 
but we wanted to go visit it. It's a town filled with spirit mediums, and um, it's not, it's wild. It's, it's wild in a really quiet way. Um, we went, and uh, my take on the town is that it's very old, and there is a heaviness to it. Um, my friend Mike, who, um, he's been twice, and he, uh, he says his, his chest feels heavy when he's there, and I try not to let that influence my experience of it, but I, I think what people feel when they're, when they're there, right? My, my cousin Carrie, who's gifted at communicating with the deceased, um, I, I think that the feeling is, you got to think, like, we showed up, my girlfriend and I went uh, more as like a, hey, this is an interesting opportunity to touch, to touch on something that is not part of our consensus reality. Um, so that's always interesting to me. She is of the same belief. But most people are going there because someone died and they're desperate for that contact. They want to know that we live on, that they lived on and whatever. And a lot of these people don't have, um, they haven't had a sincere spiritual study. They just kind of pick and choose things off the internet. Like some of you probably do. Um, so they don't really have a framework for how that might work, what that might look like, but either way they're showing up there and bringing their grief and I think what you're sensing in uh, that town is grief. Um, the people you see walking around, they're usually very old. Um, anyway, it's, it's interesting. But uh, so that was our intention was to go visit Casa Dega. Um, and we decided that while we were there, this was um, my girlfriend's idea to... Um, engage in Dr. Stephen Greer's CE5 protocol. Um, if you don't know what that is, it is uh, Dr. Stephen Greer, first of all, is a UFO guy. Um, and he has a different view of the UFO phenomena than, say, Jeremy Corbell or George Knapp, who both of them, I'm very uh, fond of both. However, when we involve the government in these things, um, it gets a bit strange. Um, and those of you that even with even peripheral interest in UFOs, especially as, as of late, now that the government's involved, it's considered a problem. These sightings and these things have been happening forever. Um, some of you might remember an episode where I discussed my mom's sightings, my own sightings, uh, a girlfriend and her father and several other people all saw something together once a lot of you have had your own experiences um, and if you read John Keel any of his writings those experiences go back to the 1800s the 1700s you know um, Diana uh, Walsh Poliska Poliska I think that's how you say her name she wrote American Cosmic and recently has written another book about the subject she um, is a professor of religion um, at Wilmington, North Carolina. She um, originally started studying UFOs as a religion that was becoming, that was in the state of becoming. Um, but, you know, we, so especially if you read her stuff, you know that these sightings, these types of things have been happening for a very long time into the Bible. Uh, the Vedic literature talks about, like in the Mahabharata, the celestials all gathered to observe the battle. Um, they don't really consider them off-world, so to speak, in the Vedic literature. They're just, I guess you would call, ultra-terrestrials, interdimensional beings that maybe live in various parts of this planet in other dimensions. Um, whatever. Uh, so that view of it being a problem to me, and I believe that Someone like uh, Dr. Stephen Greer would say that they're creating the new Al-Qaeda, but this time it's going to be off-world. Um, you know, there's that famous uh, Ronald Reagan speech where he says, 
you know, he can't help but to wonder if there was a, um, a threat from off of this planet, how all of, you know, earth would band together. Um, so some people wonder if that's part of some one world, one government agenda. I don't know. But Stephen Greer, uh, his view of uh, extraterrestrials, ETs, um, I, I think is a lot more lovely, a lot more compassionate, a lot more, uh, it's cooler, man. It's just cooler. Um, but he has a documentary called Sirius, spelled like the star Sirius, um, unacknowledged, CE5, and then there's another one. In, I think it's titled In This Century. I have not watched it, but I've seen everything else of his. I've been on his email list for years. Um, but he developed this method of contacting extraterrestrials. And he has, there's a lot of video evidence that he has. Um, it's all very interesting and very compelling. Some of it was from here in Vera Beach, Florida. Um, so there's an app and you can download the app and it's got all the steps. It's all free. Uh, the things that you might need equipment wise, certain tones that you can play, meditations, all the stuff. You know, so the thought was like, while we're there, she was like, let's stay in the middle of nowhere and do this CE5 thing. So it's <laughs> like, fuck yeah, let's do it. Anyway, we go up to, um, central Florida, uh, we live in Boynton Beach, Florida. We went up to Geneva, Florida, if you're following along on a map. Um, now, I will say this, to understand this about Florida. Florida is a window area, um, according to John Keel. Uh, there are a, the Gulf Breeze flap. There's a lot of different UFO flaps that happen in Florida. Um, I believe, as does a very good friend of mine, Christian, who was born and raised in Gainesville, Florida, where I lived for 15 years, it's a vortex, um, especially North Florida. A lot of, there's something about it. There's a lot of different spiritual communities up there. Uh, the weather's perfect and there are seasons, right? It's not going to snow, but you do have seasons down here. It's just more tropical. Um, North Central Florida, uh, Alachua County has, Alachua, the town is the highest congregation of Vaishnavs or Hare Krishnas in North, on the North American continent. Um, they're my, uh, it's the southernmost Karmakagyu lineage center that I was, that I took refuge at. That's that, that's there. Um, Sufi circles, various, it's, it's a lot of stuff. Okay. Um, it's not strange to be driving in the middle of nowhere, turn a corner and see the entrance to some sort of a temple. Uh, here, Michael Singer, the author of Untethered Soul and The Surrender Experiment, also his Temple of the Universe is also up there in, outside of Gainesville. So it's a bit of a vortex. Um, so remember that. That'll come into play later. Um, I'm going to splice some of uh, my meeting with my medium, our medium that we both saw separately into this conversation. Some of it is very personal, so I won't be sharing that stuff with you. So it's personal to me and Christy, um, but I will tell you about that experience. Um, I finally feel, feel clear enough to discuss it rationally. Um, I listened to my session again yesterday, just trying to like get it all together. Anyway, so we go up to Geneva, Florida, and we're staying, we find this Airbnb. Um, and I'll just say, I, I originally recorded a bunch of clips while I was up there. I really tried to be diplomatic. I tried to be cool. In hindsight, I'm just going to tell you, we found it on Airbnb. It's a 30 acre property known as Danville because the man that owns it is Dan, Dan and Deborah. They've been married 50 years. They look like a quaint little country couple, beautiful photography. You get there, it is a fucking vibrating mess. If I had gotten there and you said, hey, so this is really a halfway house situation and we're teaching people to get back on their feet, I'd go, oh, okay, that's cool. Instead, it's like, oh, they just work here and that's just who he hires. Uh, we have a lot of theories about Dan's personality. Um, I met him twice. Seems nice enough but I 
being that I'm somebody who's constantly taking the inventory of other people and um, analyzing their ways. Um, I he's got some problems. Um, so we pull into this property and. I immediately feel off. There's like a little like entrance. This is Danville. Danville B&B. Like a bed and breakfast. So very fucking loosely a B&B. And I'm like... Ugh. And look, I'm aware that I can be very negative. So I intentionally at times try to be really positive. Especially when I know the person I'm with, my girlfriend is very positive and I don't want to ruin her good time but this place is heavy we pull in and there's a giant metal barn where there is a wedding going on and I'm like are we in the right place and then we see this yurt that we are allegedly staying in at the time it was allegedly and we're like no and I, I, I think I out loud said this isn't the right place we're at the wrong place you know, like maybe our GPS took us to some other yurt in Geneva, Florida. But this yurt is like 50 feet from an event venue. And it the property is, you know, not well maintained. Uh, we were, they show these pictures of these antique Jeeps and golf carts. And you get to pick one and ride it around the property. Again, it's 30, it's 30 acres. There's like trails for Jeeps and shit, I guess. That garage, which was actually a tent with beat-up cars in it, is next to the yurt, as well as a giant pin of goats that is in quarantine because they're new, is also there. This looked like... I have an uncle named Jim who his property is like... If you just gave a redneck 40... He has 40, 45 or 42 acres in uh, Cross Creek, Florida and just let him go crazy and let him put a forklift attachment on the front of an ATC. Like, like, yeah, that's Uncle Jim's. This looked like some shit that Uncle Jim owns, right? Look like Grampy Camp, as we call it. So I pull up and I'm like, oh, I go, this, this can't be right. We get out and there's this woman in a golf cart flying at us. And I was positive she was going to tell us we were at the wrong place. Uh, unfortunately, we're at the right one. She hadn't cleaned it yet. Um, so she was, she was on some chemical. Um, she wasn't right. She was off. She was having a very hard time, uh, on whatever she was on. A lot of muttering and mumbling. And you know, you meet someone who's a little off and they're talking to you, but they're not talking to you. And you're like, are, are, we, are you talking to me? And you kind of walk away and they're still talking. It was, it was crazy. I met with her energy and I'm like, this is fucking off, man. Like, this, the fucking vibe's off, right? And we're looking at each other like, oh. she goes, oh, I'll have it ready for 20 minutes. Well, an hour later, um, we get uh, done walking our dog around this property because there's nothing else to do for an hour while she cleans this yurt which when we got in there wasn't clean I heard her using a vacuum but I'm not sure what she was vacuuming as the floor was pretty disgusting um, and I'm not like a prissy person but fucking run a wash rag over it um so we get there, and this place has got a weight to it. And, like, I've been to hippie communes, and that's, like, you get there, you're like, oh, this is crazy, but fuck, it's fun, right? This was, like, instead of it being a hippie commune, it was more like a don't-tread-on-me commune. Um, I'm rolling up on a ambulance right now, so you're about to hear some sirens. So let me get through this right quick. All right. Um, so we get there, we go to sleep, like, all right, whatever, whatever. Moving on, right? We're going to decide that. And I'll be honest with you, after doing all of the stuff we did, I'm glad we stayed there, all said and done. Um, that's all I'm going to say about the Danville yurt. I'm going to leave it alone. But so just, I'm just trying to paint the picture for you that it was fucking weird. It was off from the start. 
Um, I believe in geomancy. I believe that uh, there's a thing. Uh, I know some of you who are fans of Terrence McKenna are familiar with the stoned ape theory. There's also something called the stone tape theory. And it's this theory that land, objects, um, inanimate stuff also holds a record that um, we give off an energy as we use and inhabit places and that energy goes into the land, it goes into the objects we use. Um, it's why like uh, recently, um, you know, selling my house and all stuff, like there's things I'm moving on from so I just threw them away because having these objects, they're imbued with a certain energy and maybe it wasn't all bad but it's not where I'm at now so let's get rid of it. Um, but I believe that this land especially in North Central Florida, it's already got something going on. This land, something was going on. Um, and I don't want to say that it was all bad, but something was happening there. Um, I believe that bad or evil or whatever, it's very subjective. Um, so the next day we decided to go to Casa Dega and the intention was to find a spirit medium. Um, my friend Mike, who I mentioned earlier, he recommended that we book time in advance. I was more about winging it and just doing this thing. And whoever shows up in front of us is going to be who we sit with. Um, knowing full well that it could all just not happen, but whatever. So immediately we go, we get there and we go to the Casa Dega Hotel, which is obviously haunted. Um, and if you go there, you walk in and you go, yeah, this is definitely haunted. It <laughs> looks every bit of haunted. Um, everyone there is super friendly, very sweet, very cool. Um, but the hotel has mediums that work at the hotel and... You know, some of them are on this uh, bulletin board as available or unavailable or whatever. And um, the ones that were available to me, like, I wasn't feeling it. Um, I don't want, you know, moon child fairy with dreads that's in her 20s, like, being my medium. I want, like, old school, old you've been staring into the eye of the abyss your whole life. That's what I want from my mediums. I've been to two in my life. And one was younger and whatever, not young, but you know, in her thirties or forties, I wanted like, you know, the woman from Poltergeist, if any of you are familiar. <laughs> um, so I wasn't into anybody at the hotel. We're just walking around. It's, it's something to explore. There's, it's really cool. There's like, all of these houses and um, the houses have, uh, um, like, like I said, there's mediums that live in these houses. And so they have their phone numbers or contact information. And it's not, it's not cheesy. It's really not. It sounds like it could be crazy. It's not. They're just, look, a lot of people that are cynical, there's a difference in being a skeptic and being cynical. I'm a skeptic, but I'm open-minded. Um, and I'm skeptical of things because I'm really only interested in the truth. Um, I'm interested in understanding. I'm, I'm interested in, in exploring and stuff. And to do that, honestly, you have to be a little skeptical. Um, it's why in the Kagyu lineage of Tibetan Buddhism, debate is so important. You debate on the things, even that you, even though you all believe it, you still debate on it because, you know, in that belief, it's that like, well, if we can just take this thing apart and set it on fire, the only thing we'll have left is the truth. So I kind of approach everything that way. Um, but to be cynical, I don't know, to me, that's lazy. Um, it's like, to me, being an atheist is also lazy. It's like, yeah, it's fucking easy to just write everything off. Um, you know, I always make jokes like lazy atheist. Yeah, get it. Um, now there's agnostic, you know, some of you like, you don't know. And that, that I, I get, uh, there's deists who might just believe in some sort of something's running the show or something's going on here. We don't know what it is. Um, anyway, and there's theists, right? So, uh, we get there, 
Um, no one at the hotel really draws me in. Uh, and we're walking around, taking in the sights a bit, and then we go to this bookstore um, called, uh, it's this, no, wait, no, I don't know what it was called. Something Hall, Harmony Hall. I don't remember. There's so many weird names to buildings. I don't. I don't know. But bookstore was so cool. Uh, very inexpensive. We bought three books, and we only spent like twenty three dollars there. Um, I did buy an interesting book on spiritualism. They make a lot of their own booklets. These little like kind of these little books that like are so cool to me. I, I made an old long time ago. I made an infinite spark of beam book like that that you would see like that just get handed out really quickly. I, I love them. Like little saddle stitched you know, copy paper books. Um, but it's really great. I've been reading it. It's awesome. In fact, there's a statement in there that, uh, inspired me to do a podcast on it. Um, the idea that nothing is created. It is all in creation that nothing is done being created. Um, anyway, so kind of hanging out Then there's the welcome center. We went there. There's no mediums on the board to meet with, uh, but they do have this big binder that you can check out. Um, and as a side note, so I find this woman's face, I see her and her face looked different than I remembered, but I'd actually run into her before. Um, sorry if you're watching on YouTube, you just may have noticed me giving a side eye. Um, I'm not sure what the man behind me is honking at. We're all in the same traffic. Um, but, uh, uh, a long time ago, I wanted to see another medium. Usually at times in my life when I felt like something was around or something was going on, um, I would tend to want to meet with somebody. Um, so I went on the Casa Dega database and I found this face and I just clicked on it. She felt drawn to her. In her description, it said that she spent in the 1970s was part of the Swami Kripalu ashram. And one of my teachers, Prem Shakti, was in the ashram in the 70s. I was like, holy cow, it's crazy. Talked to Prem. I was like, do you know this woman? I gave her her like birth name. And she goes, oh, yeah, that's something Vati or whatever her yoga name was. And she was, yeah, I used to share an office with her. I was like, what? what are the freaking odds, right, that Prem and this woman? And anyway, I never saw her. I didn't book any time. I didn't go up to Casa Dega. I just thought it was an interesting coincidence. Then this time at Casa Dega, I open up the binder and I run across her picture again. Um, she's actually one of the people that I'm going to speak to about understanding spiritualism a little deeper. And the reason I was interested in that was um, because she does have her knowledge is rooted in the Vedic literature um, in the Vedas, which is where mine is rooted. And my hope is that she can explain this to me in those terms because um, that will help me understand all of it. I, I believe that the Vedas is where everything starts. 11,000 BC is pretty old. That's the oldest Vedic literature. Um, stuff predates a lot of the Egyptian stuff, which is so infuriating about, uh, in my opinion, when you watch like ancient aliens. It's like, dude, there's buildings in India that are far more complex, still standing, and are older than <laughs> shit in Egypt, but, you know, whatever. Um, let's talk about the fucking pyramids some more. Um, relax. I get it. They're cool, but there's, again, there's a lot of shit on this planet. Um, so, uh, she wasn't available. We go to lunch, and then what's really wild is the woman that introduced me to Prem called me on the phone. I haven't talked to her in fucking months, maybe eight months. So it was a really weird synchronicity. She, I picked up the phone. I was like, you won't believe <laughs> the weird, like, anyway. So I feel, uh, that that's somebody I'm supposed to touch base with. Um, definitely. Her name was Suzanne. I don't remember her last name, but, um, okay. So back to it. So we're going through Casa Dega, um, and we're not having any luck finding anybody, uh, but we're milling around this bookstore and I'm like itchy. I'm like, I need to talk to somebody. I have so many questions and I'm looking for knowledgeable people. And then finally I asked, I can't remember what I asked the cashier, but she goes, Oh, you're going to talk to so-and-so. It was this woman that was the manager of the bookstore. And I said, Hey, can I just talk to you for a second? 
And I told her what I, I was like, I just want to understand this. And she goes, oh, talk to this woman. She gave me another phone number. But her story was very interesting. She was from New York, recently from New York. Um, she was a spiritualist uh, on the spiritualism track. And her husband got a random and unique job opportunity in, um, in Florida. And it was near Casadega. And so her and her husband are like, if this isn't a sign, like, <laughs> this is, you know, I mean, what are the odds, you know, that you live in New York and you get a job offer that's in central Florida and it's near like the Mecca of what you're studying. So that was cool. Um, we're outside and I'm a bit bummed out. Like, man, we can't like, we can't leave here without speaking to somebody. And then I see this building and I believe the building was called Harmony Hall. And there were some signs for different mediums. And this one caught my eye and it caught my eye because it looked older than hell and there was no area code on the phone number. Like I had to ask somebody, I was like, what's the area code here? And it was a woman named Reverend Margaret Schmidt. And um, I was like, this is it. So I call and uh, first I Googled her and she looked very old in the picture and the picture was old. <laughs> so um, I get this gut feeling like I'm on the right track. I call, um, I leave a voice ma- message. She didn't even leave her own voice message. Like it was somebody very young, like, hi, uh, try reaching Margaret through text message. She doesn't check her voicemails. Da, da, da. So it was funny. I was like, either she's really fancy or really old. And she had yes, her granddaughter leave her voicemail. Um, so I shot her a text message. She calls me back like in like an hour and her voice was so old, but so something about it drew me in. And she was very, she was like, yep, yeah, we can meet at eight 30. Um, I just remembered what I was going to say a little while ago. Um, a lot of people, I was talking about skeptics and, uh, cynics being skeptical and being cynical. Um, I have a healthy amount of skepticism with things and it's just because I want to know. I'm not discounting anything. It's just a very open-minded, okay, what are all the possibilities? Um, a lot of people would look at these mediums and go, oh, this is like some huckster money-making thing. I assure you to see the way these mostly women, just a handful of men live, they're not making money. It was 75 bucks for an hour for each of us. Um, you know, uh, it, and people that are, that are cynical about this stuff, about spiritual pursuits, about all of it. Um, that's very convenient for you. You get to close your mind down completely and think only of money because that's what you're motivated by. You're motivated by money and fame and stuff like that. So that's how you see the world. But unfortunately, when you're saying that to when you're talking to people, they never ask you, like, why is it that you see it this way? You know, why are, you know, um, why does your mind direct you that way? And just because your mind does that to you doesn't mean that everyone's mind works that way. That was, that was all I wanted to say. But, um, you know, and, and, you know, fuck you for judging Reverend Margaret Schmidt. Um, <laughs> so uh, we go back to the yurt. Now, this night, we're like, all right, let's do this CE5 protocol thing. Now, it had been very overcast all day and very cold and windy. But you know what? I'm, if we're going to do this, let's do this. I'm not going to let like clouds be an excuse. In my mind, Like if this stuff works, then it's going to, then what the fuck is a cloud, right? Um, preface, we were not prepared. We did not fully study everything that we should have. Um, there's a lot of steps to it. Uh, we kind of haphazardly run and gun went at it. Um, so I'll say that. So it's about 10 o'clock at night. I'm like, let's, let's, let's do this. So we get bundled up. We set out a couple chairs in the deck, finding a spot where there weren't too many trees overhanging. We see like an opening of the sky. It's very blackout. This area is very off. That's all I can tell you. It, Christy thought it was very spooky. I thought it was just more like just something's, I don't know. 
anyway, um, put our little dog in it. I have a little sling. I keep him in. He's, he's pretty small. He's like four pounds. He's a little puppy right now. I don't think he'll be much bigger, but his name's Kevin. And I put Kevin in his little sling. We go out there and we sit. Kevin loves this little sling because he likes to burrow down into it and just kind of sit in his little, like, it was like kangaroo pouch, right? And he was down in it. We're sitting there doing this. There's a meditation, and there's these tones that you play that are audio tones and whatever. Kevin starts standing up and looking behind. I mean, like, rigid, on his hind legs, front paws on my left shoulder, looking behind us. And I can't get him to lay back down. He's like stiff. And he keeps staring and staring. And there's woods behind us. A bunch of, it was just woods. Um, we sit there. Um, all black. A light turned on. Like this light on a pole. That hadn't been on since we've been there. Uh, and suddenly it turned on. And Christy goes, well, that's interesting. I said, yeah, that is interesting. Um, And then uh, she goes, you know, the light in the bathroom flickered before we came out here, when we were talking about coming out. That light didn't flicker before, didn't flicker after, flickered that one time. If you've listened before, you know there's a history here with flickering lights. Um, Now, I was once told by um, an ex... I saw some lights in the sky. And I said, you know, I saw these lights. Blah, 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 blah. And she goes, well, you saw them because you were looking for them. As if to dismiss what I saw. So either you're dismissing what I saw, though I saw it, or you're telling me I'm hallucinating. And the lights that I saw were, like, really close and pretty big. And so to say, like, well, you only saw it because you're looking for it. You're looking for that reason. To me, that's akin to saying... Well, that's just placebo. Just, that's just the mind being so fucking powerful that, you know. So, when you are tapping on the glass of this thing, what John Keel just blanketly called the phenomena, when you're tapping on the glass, something's going to come to the window. And to be aware, to be making notes, to be noticing things that you don't normally notice is very important. Um, so I'm not saying that those things were whatever, but you just, just make a note. Boom, boom. Okay. Um, after a while, we just kind of decided to go inside. Nothing was really happening other than the light, which at the, you know, it was windy. I don't know. It was windy, right? It could have been, could have been anything. Um, and Kevin could have just been standing on his hind legs because that's what Kevin likes to do. I don't know. Um, but we go inside and then we decide to take Kevin out for a uh, just go to the bathroom before we go to bed. Put him on his leash. We were walking. We walked out a little bit down this little dirt thing to the barn. And then we're walking back towards the yurt. I look into the space between the yurt and the barn where they were having that wedding. And in the woods behind everything, I saw an orb. I saw a white ball of light. Um, If you've seen these, they don't cast light the way a flashlight does. They are just light. Um, About the size of a deflated volleyball maybe like almost as big as a volleyball but in that weird kind of um saw it and felt a little tight and I was like all right I'm not gonna point it out to Christy because she was very freaked out later when I told her about it she thanked me for not pointing it out and saying hey I just saw that because the reality she probably wouldn't have seen it it probably would have gone because it was going the opposite direction as us it was moving through the woods And you all know if you've encountered this stuff, you can't chase it down. It's not going to happen. You saw what you saw. And that's it. Um, You know what you saw. And you just kind of have to leave it at that. Um, That's the hard part about anomalous paranormal activity. So we go back to the yurt. Um, They go inside. And I take my flashlight out on the back deck. And I'm shining it into the woods. 
thinking like maybe there was a reflector or someone was back there or who knows um go inside we go to sleep we're laying there um so since there was a lot of light around like the sun comes up because there's like a skylight in the yurt Christy had on these like 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 a like a light blindfold thing and earplugs she just sleeps in earplugs I'm laying there and I'm up all night because it sounds like all hell is breaking loose outside like I said it was windy right but this sounds like a fucking like a storm and I'm hearing like the night before we heard a pack of coyotes but this night I'm hearing something that sounds like a cross between a coyote and a chicken and a fucking donkey I don't know there was alpacas there there was donkeys there was goats um none of these things sound like this thing I don't know what I was hearing but it was a lot of commotion it kept me up to the point that I thought the goats had gotten loose I thought the goats were on the deck I thought the goats were on the fucking hood of her car we took her car and it just sounded like stomping and craziness it was so nutty that at 2am I went outside like what the fuck is happening out here to nothing it was just wind just wind another thing that was interesting I thought about it while we were sitting outside attempting that CE5 protocol thing uh, there were times where like, the wind just stopped it was very strange it was very odd it just like stopped and for as windy as it was at times, it's a hard, it's just, it was just weird. It was another, again, it was one of those things you make a, a note, like, okay, that's weird. That's strange. Again, if you're doing this kind of stuff, you just make notes. You know, you're looking for a sign from God, you're looking for signs, make notes. So, hell of a night, all hell is breaking loose outside. We wake up in the morning, like, hey, dude, like, this is this place was going nuts last night. Um, there was things swinging, it sounded like, and banging and all this shit. But oh, before she woke up, I went outside. I woke up. I took Kevin out, and I went to the area of the woods where I saw what I saw, and there was nothing there. There's no reflector because it was kind of like a a giant. It was. I'm trying to find materialist reasons for these things, but it was a fucking glowing orb. I know what I saw. I didn't find anything else out there that would have indicated, oh, something the size of a volleyball that is white light floating through the woods going the opposite direction as you. Anyway, uh, so I told Christy, I was like, dude, I saw like a fucking orb. And I didn't tell you because I knew you're freaked out already because it's a very weird place to be. She's like, well, thank you because I was freaked out and I wouldn't have slept. Um... So that morning we had uh, an appointment booked with um, Margaret Schmidt, Reverend Margaret Schmidt. Um, you can look her up and know that she is much older than the photo you see there. Um, <laughs> she's an old lady. And uh, I guess right here is probably where I'll put some of the, the clips in, uh, some of the things that she said. So I don't want to get too in the weeds about what she said to me because some of it is a bit personal the more I thought about it the more I was like I don't know that feels weird to share um and I definitely don't want to share any of Christie's experience um but I'll tell you this so when I dropped Christy off I didn't go inside or anything I just dropped her off and I went and just drove around went to a park held the dog in a rocking chair that was about it for the hour that Christy was there um and uh, this woman, right when she walked in, started telling her, like in the start of the session, started telling her about me, which was weird. Like she knew all this stuff about me and our relationship and things that we have planned, stuff that uh, she knew dates that we were important to us to have certain things done by certain times. It was crazy. And so that was Christy's first experience with that sort of thing. So that was interesting for her. 
my experience um, was kind of she did a lot of um, what do I want to say what I not want to say she knew about certain physical things with me pain and stuff she um, knew that uh, I she, man see I don't want to say too much because I don't know why I don't want to say it but it doesn't feel right at one point she goes you're, you're like a psychologist and you do a thing with hypnosis that you have developed on your own um, which is true uh, so that thought transformation or restructuring came out of me becoming certified in something called rapid resolution therapy John Connolly, the inventor, did my class and taught me. Uh, I've since distanced myself from that community because I have my own issues with how things are run. Also, I kind of developed a thing on my own that, like, that certain things that you're trained in don't necessarily work on the ground when you are working with the kind of people I was working with. She knew that I worked in the past mainly with veterans. Um, she, but she knew about that. She goes, it's, it's hypnosis, but it's not really hypnosis, but it's something you've developed. And she was right. And then she mentioned something about it specifically that is an idea I've had, but didn't pursue. It was just an idea, but she goes, you need to pursue this and you need to not pursue it. She said, you need to, I guess, copyright it, make it mine, something like that. Um, We were listening to it together last night and she was right about everything. Not everything, but everything that she was, what I mean to say is everything she was right about, she was really, really, really right. And it wasn't obvious shit like, oh, your parents have passed away. Like, you know, you can look at someone's age and be like, your parents probably aren't alive. I don't know if that's true for everybody who's 47. I know I don't look 47. <laughs> um, I just realized it's Ash Wednesday. Because I saw... Um, I just passed a priest walking down the street with a cross on his forehead. And I just realized, like, oh shit, it's Ash Wednesday. Because my first knee-jerk reaction was, that's fucking spooky. Um... So the things she was right about, she was really right about. The things that she was... I don't have a stop sign, sir. I don't know why you're doing that. Um, The things that she was wrong about were interesting, and that's what I want to talk to you about. So I'll tell you what she was... What I, you know, on one hand, she was wrong about. She said uh, that when I came in, there was a woman that came with me she had a name similar to hers. Her name is Margaret Ann Schmidt. Said the name was similar. I thought that was interesting. Um, she said that there's a general that is with me, that it's somebody that I served with. And I said, well, I've never been in the military. Um, so that could have been a past life, quote unquote past, which is something I want to talk to you about. Um, she mentioned, uh, she goes, I'm, I'm hearing something from, she'll say like, can I, can I say something? Can you tell me if I'm right about something? Um, she mentioned that there was a man that was in my life who was not a blood relative, but was like a blood relative, um, who was very good at fixing things with motors and, uh, had a lot of medical advice for me. Well, my dad's stepdad was crazy talented mechanically and went to medical school and always had a lot of medical advice, like health advice for you. He was a pretty healthy guy. Um, Jacked into his 70s. Um, But so he had some, apparently he was giving her some things to tell me about uric acid. So I was like, oh, that's that's Joe. That's (laughs) that's fucking Joe. Um, uh, my pa, what I call my pa, his name was Joe, Joe Quigley. Um, which is interesting when he died, 
I was laying on the couch in my house in Gainesville and I'd fallen asleep and I had a vision of him in a dark room trying to find his way out and um, the phone rang I woke up and my mom said that he had died so that was a weird um, premonition-y kind of thing I can't remember what the word for that is called it's not premonition something else um, so there's that but when she was wrong with the military um, so let me say this uh, there is the way we understand time as human beings is through decomposition um, We age is decomposition whether it's plants or people are crazy today um, whether it's plants or um, the years or uh, the seasons it's all essentially measured through decomposition time is decomposition um, when you read the Vedas time as a being as an entity is the, is this this old crone that kind of withers things away and so but if there's no body involved, there is no time. Um, our brains, our minds can only perceive linearity for the most part. And when it comes to time, time has to be linear for us to understand it. Um, so know that. But when you take the body away, then things are a little different. Um, some of you that have had psychedelic experiences understand that kind of slipping away of time um, deep meditative experience there's I don't just call it all like mystical experience that you get an inclining that time isn't necessarily real and we do understand largely that it is a construct that is it just allows the humans to understand it um, what I believe is happening and I can't remember the quote but Dr. Stephen Greer uses the quote when the so-and-so is asked about how many minds there were in the universe, the person says one, there's only one mind uh, so Greer operates a lot off of the idea that there's only one consciousness, that consciousness is the non-dual state uh, that's talked about in Vaita Vedanta and these other non-dualist kind of traditions um, that non-duality is where we ultimately end up. We at least play with it as a, a concept and then hopefully start to experience it from time to time. Um, I believe that the Akashic field, the collective unconscious is real. Jung talked about the collective unconscious. Um, some people mention the Akashic Record. Uh, that terminology has gotten a little weighed down with New Ageism. Um, but it's my belief that there are no past lives, per se. And the reason um, I say that, uh, I can give an example. Well, first of all, I'd say this. Soul, a soul, your ultimate essence, the not your ultimate essence, but ultimately who you are as the soul, as self, whatever, eventually becoming, realizing its true identity as God, but in the interim, soul. That soul, the understanding for a lot of people is that soul is spinning out multiple lives. There would be multiple timelines existing simultaneously in maybe multiple dimensions, all associated with this soul. That you are not just living this life as soul, you are actually, this thing that you are hearing these words through is only one of the models being run. Um, I believe I put that diagram in the new book as well. I do write a bit about that in the new book, I believe. I don't remember what's in it anymore, for God's sakes. It's almost done, though. Sorry, I'm on a very bumpy, um, bumpy road right now. You'd think with all of the money on Palm Beach that they would just fix that. Um, it's been that way forever. So, the example I could give was that a friend of an ex of mine was a Florida girl, always in the water, loved swimming, yada, yada. One day, suddenly, has a crippling fear of the water. 
And so she was confused by this and for whatever reason decided to go to a past life, past life regression therapy person to figure that out, which I thought was a strange move, but, um, probably other ways to do that, but it did, uh, allow me to have this conversation. Um, she goes to this past life regression therapist or whatever. And the lady goes, well, in a past life, you were a boy and you almost drowned. And she gets relief that way. She says, oh, wow. Okay. That makes sense. And so in order to heal the little boy in you that drowned, you just have to go in the water. Okay. Um, so we're, you know, sitting around one day and she brings that up and I said, that's interesting. So in this past life, this bad thing happened and you weren't affected by it until like your late thirties. <laughs> that doesn't, you know, you know, it, I was like, is it possible that on another dimension, your soul is also running a model that involves a small boy and the boy almost drowned. And it's affecting this timeline. You know, that's usually met with, you know, Keith, why you have to poo-poo everything, which I don't, but I am skeptical. Um, So I I think that's an interesting idea that when we talk about past, present, future, and that the only thing is now, and you start to study Advaita Vedanta, it starts to call into question certain things like past lives, future births, like maybe that's not it. And maybe what you know, Margaret was picking up on was maybe she picks up on, or any of these mediums, maybe they're picking up on, um, other timelines, other dimensions that are associated with the soul that this life is associated with. That's what I think. That's what I think is going on when it comes to those things. Now, the other question people have when it comes to spirit mediums is what did you get out of this? What's the benefit of it? Um, my knee-jerk response is because it's fucking cool and it's weird to get in contact with something you don't understand. I think it's neat. Um, I'm always willing to play. And uh, I think that um, that alone is just interesting. It's like, you know, like I always say, you don't want to become a spiritual tourist to where you don't, you just are collecting experiences uh, with little to no integration of any of these experiences. You don't want to do that. But, The mystical, anomalous, paranormal, whatever you want to call it, experience is always good to remind your psyche that is associated with this body that this might not just be it. It might not be as simple as we think it is. There might be more going on here, you know. That's beneficial. Um, The stuff, some of the things in my reading that she pointed out, uh, I believe I will be pursuing more... um, aggressively, a little bit more an intention, um, you know, to, um, yeah, make progress in certain areas. Um, you've, you know, it's like confirmation that you're at least on the right track with certain things. So there's that, that's one of the many benefits I believe of having these sorts of experiences with, um, with these special people, these gifted individuals that, you know, Reverend Margaret Schmidt, amazing. Um, whatever that orb was, interesting. Whatever was going on that night was insane. Uh, but what I want, actually, it's what I wanted to mention. When it comes to that experience uh, with the orb and the, the noises, the crazy noises, I wish I could explain it. It was, it was so bizarre. And then to go outside and there's just nothing, it's just wind, like just, you know, not even like, it wasn't like a gale force wind, but, um, I don't know, or I don't believe that those experiences had to do with the CE5 protocol. Maybe it was just cause that spot is a little spooky, a little weird. Um, maybe it's that North Florida's little wild like that. Um, I did read, uh, the next day when I was like, Hey, let's kind of figure out what we're doing here with this in the future. Um, I, uh, I feel 
Well, I read that you know, he says at one point that your experience doesn't stop when you leave the field. Um, it may continue. Uh, and he said to expect possibly some anomalous activity in strange sleep, which I definitely had. So that is it. Um, you know, if you're interested in getting involved with the Patreon, do it. Uh, I'll say it now. Um, I'm building an app right now that my, again, my hope is to create a community of people, everyday folks that have interests that aren't so everyday. Um, but if you're like me, you go to some of these meetups or some of these weird things, yoga, whatever, retreats, and it's really just a bunch of um, spiritual tourists. Um, yeah. So I'm trying to create a community of regular folks just want to change their experiences. Um, anyway, check out the Patreon. Uh, if you're interested in one-on-one time, uh, email me. Click that About button on the website and read about me a little bit. Be sure you know what you're getting into. Um, and that's it. Uh, I hope it was interesting. It's a long one. Looks like it's an hour and a, hour and one minute. All right. I love you. Bye.